Oh yes indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, if an invisible woman has sex with an invisible man, would their children be nothing to look at? Hi America, hello world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions Than Answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you. To bring you the best in paranormal talk radio entertainment. And enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you've just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you've just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea, with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting, for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evervescent Heather Morris... She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather experienced deja vu this week, the feeling that you've heard the same old ball before. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> we're back again. We're back. It only seems like last week since we were on the air. We've also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim this week unfortunately contracted Tom Jones syndrome, which is not unusual. Welcome to the show, Kim. Fabulous. Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. We discovered this week that Greg was in fact dyslexic because he told a joke about a man who walked into a bra. Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> fabulous. Show 29. Who knew? 29 is a fabulous number. Did you know? That's the number of years it requires Saturn to orbit the Earth. So in Saturn years, most of the people around this table are in fact the age of two or thereabouts. 29 is also the number of letters in the Turkish, Swedish and Norwegian alphabet. They're just making up sounds, aren't they? 29. Who can tell me? There's points to be had already. A song with the number 29 in it. Anyone at all? Mm. No? What 29 about. 29 bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not having points for that. There's uh, 29 Palms by uh, Robert Palmer, of course, but I was hoping some of you may remember there was a track 29. Does anyone want to jump in? Nope. The Chattanooga Choo Choo. Oh. It departed from track 29, I believe. Last week we did an investigation, of course, in a place called Canby, which is in the south 
western corner of Minnesota, just a few miles away from the South Dakota border. So we did take our passports with us, but we got to investigate in a theatre there. It was built in 1939, a fabulous Art Deco theatre that's undergoing renovation at the moment, and we had teams in there. We also investigated in a fabulous house called the Lund Hull House. It's a Richardson Gothic building dating from 1891. So if anyone's passing through Canby, that's a fabulous place to go. It looks exactly like it did back in the day. It's uh, got some amazing furniture and some amazing history. But when we was in the theatre, we were in the basement. And I have to say, first of all, there was such a large amount of electrical magnetic energy in that theatre. I know back in the day, they used to ground and earth all their copper piping by running you know, electrical currents um, into that piping to ground it. But the whole building was just jumping with uh, what we call EMF, electrical magnetic fields. And we went down into the basement. Everything happens in the basement, doesn't it? We went down into the basement with a team and we went into what was called the furnace room. And we was in the furnace room doing a vigil and suddenly we saw a, a shadow figure appearing in the doorway. And suddenly everything got very cold and uh, we had a EMF meter, a K2 meter on the floor in the corridor and the lights were going on and off. Um, we had quite an interesting conversation. We uh, invited the spirit in to talk to us and uh, psychically I was getting information but we turned on what we call the ghost box which generates lots of white noise and we had a conversation and uh, hopefully in the episodes to come we can actually perhaps play that conversation for you but the spirit came into the room and I said what's your name and he said Bill and I said do you prefer being called Bill or William and he said William which is a fabulous piece of evidence because uh you know, you could argue that words could come through randomly, perhaps on radio stations on that particular device. But when you're getting very specific answers to the questions you're asking, then that's a stimulus and response situation, of course. So he said his name, he preferred to be called William. So I asked him if he used to work there and he said no. And I said, uh, did you uh, used to perhaps um, manage the building or did you live in Canby? And he said no. And I thought, well, if you didn't work here and you didn't live here, what did you do? And I thought to myself, I wonder if he built the theatre. So I said, did you build the theatre? And he said, yes. Now, I know they're going under renovations at the moment. They have a Facebook site. So if you go to Canby Theatre, Minnesota, they have a Facebook site. They're looking to raise money for a renovation to take the theatre back to all its original glory. So the theatre's been gutted at the moment. And as you know, renovations and building work stop all kinds of paranormal activity so I thought I'd ask the question I said uh, seeing I've got the owner here I said or the the guy that built the theatre I said are you happy with the way the renovations are going and he said yes and I said have you got anything to say to the board or the owners now in terms of how they want to run their theatre and all he said to me was seven now of course this doesn't have to make sense to me it just has to make sense to the owner so I've made a note of this and I said, is there anything else you want to tell us? And uh, he said, no, no, thank you. And I said, OK, nice talking with you. Anyway, I went back into the lobby after the vigil and I spoke to the owner and I said, a gentleman called William come through, says he built the, the building. And he said, yeah, his name's uh, William Fleedler. He actually built this in 1939. His name was William. I said, I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but he said he was happy with the way the renovations were going. But he mentioned the number seven and that means nothing to me. And uh, the manager said only that very day they'd had a board meeting to discuss that when the cinema is reopened, how much they were going to charge for admission into that theatre. And they'd come to the conclusion after a debate that they would be charging $7 a ticket to then get in to the cinema when it reopens again. And I just thought that was a fabulous affirmation of the spirit actually agreeing with them and wanting he say in the afterworld about how much the admission prices were. So that's Canby. If you get a chance to look at the Lund Hole House, that's a fabulous building. And uh, we will be doing some lectures and some talks there very shortly, perhaps over the Halloween period. And uh, if you go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee, you'll see all the fabulous places we're going to be in with the International Paranormal Society throughout the fall and well into the winter. Let's start tonight's show, round one. This is our Ghosts and Hauntings. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Mourner's distress when funeral horse pulling hearse drops dead mid-procession. Wow. They get... <laughs> That's the sound of a horse dying, Eric, is it? <laughs> in London, England, police and fire crew were called to Hornchurch Road. Hornchurch. No way, the... that's where I was born. 
Yeah? I was born in Hornchurch. That's oh, where my parents... Maybe you've seen this horse then. Oh, you were yeah. born in a church. Well, I wasn't literally. Would you, well, Mountain Lake. Was you born in a mountain? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's an older Norman church there from the 12th century. And what they did is they put like a bull's skeletal head above the door. So the bull's horns are there, like you see in this country, actually, if you get a skull, you know, on a wall with the horns and everything. But Hornchurch, yeah, that's where I was born. That's where, did you know that? No, I didn't. So this is just pure circumstance and happenstance. Yeah, you're lucky. Fabulous. I may have known that horse. They're gonna have to build. They're gonna have to dig a bigger hole, aren't they? Now, they can you imagine the grave digger leaning on the side and seeing the horse keeling over and going, "Bloody hell, <laughs> that's my lunch hour." <laughs> the firefighters from Hornchurch Station left shortly later after realizing they could not save the horse, and officers called the RSPCA for assistance. What did they try? Mouth to mouth. Look at that man know. over there kissing a horse. I don't know. The road was closed for nearly two hours while the organizers, Harold Wood Funeral Services of Chippenham Road, Harold Hill, I know it well. arranged for the horse to be taken away. Ronnie, the deceased horse, was a middle-aged white carriage horse and was believed to be in good health. You never had high blood pressure then or anything no, like that? Nothing no, nothing like that. Stressful job, though. Stressful. Well, just short journeys, to be honest. <laughs> the funeral director said, We are extremely sad to report the sudden death of Ronnie, a 14-year-old horse, in the service of the funeral home. The director assured that there was no delay in the coffin was transferred from the horse-drawn cart and put into a regular hearse that was part of the procession. Eddie Baptist, 29, of Aresdale Avenue, South Ockenden, witnessed the horse's collapse and said, It's always upsetting going to a funeral, but when the horse falls dead, it's even more so. It could be worse. <laughs> and the, the dead horse fell out the stable. It could be worse. It could be your wedding, couldn't it? Just oh. <laughs> That's Pre- just disappointing. Of things to come. I may have fed that horse when I was a kid. You could. It's only 14 I know years exactly. Old. I know all those places. That's where I was born and grew up and went to school in Well, Hall you're Church. welcome then. Fabulous. There's points to be had there because it's interesting and there was an element of shock and awe. The and it was from where you were born. This is also true, but that's not going to get you more points. You're Why? now on three. I just think, how, do you, how does one get a horse out of this? I mean, a dead horse is going to be weighing a lot of... Uh, that, that's heavy, isn't it? I'm well, guessing. I could tell you a story about a local farmer. I won't say any names. Greg? <laughs> <laughs> His horse died, and he went out into the field and dug a big hole for it and put the horse in. But he didn't dig the hole deep enough, and when he got done burying it, the four legs were still sticking up out of the ground. And now he's got somewhere to park his bicycle. <laughs> well, doesn't that poison your water table? Well, I don't know. I'm just wondering, I mean, Greg, have you buried animals in the yard? Is that legal? I don't know. No comment. No, just, just puppies. Just puppies. Oh, he's a puppy killer. <laughs> and, and let me get this right. When you, your, your water supply is from a well, is it? Is no, you, we have raw water. Oh, okay. I'm just wondering if you have puppy smoothie. No, ours is. Oh, every time you, you turn the faucet <laughs> on, there's a puppy smoothie. That's unfortunate. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. You're absolutely right. I've got a story here. It says, ghosts haunt our houses. They were happy to get new homes, but now they want to flee their fancy flats. Fikeli Nakombo told the Daily Sun that every night the ghost of a mysterious woman drags a coffee tin along the floor of her house. See, even ghosts need coffee to stay up and haunt at night. The luxury flats in Cornubia in Verulam, north of Durban, were built for shack dwellers after a long battle, but the homes no longer bring them joy. We have heard rumours that two years ago there was a village here, and people had graves in their yards, Fakili said. They were removed when sugar cane was planted here. Some of those people are now living there. We would really appreciate it if they could come and take the spirits of their dead relatives away. For resident Findili Kumalo, 54, every sunset brings misery. Ever since I moved to this place, a ghost has tried to strangle me every night. Ever tried to strangle anything in the middle of the night, Greg? No. Okay. <laughs> I sometimes wake up and find that all the lights are on, even though I switch them off. A spirit moves around and causes terror and chaos. The ghost only leaves for a little while when I pray and sprinkle holy water around the house. Life is so difficult for everyone. At first I was embarrassed to tell anyone, but I later found out that some of our neighbours have already gone back to their shacks due to a similar problem. One of them told us the ghost slapped her and ordered her to get out of the house. 
She always woke up with swollen cheeks, Vindili said. Ever woken up with swollen cheeks, Greg? No. <laughs> Apparently, residents can get a traditional healer to give them a herbal mixture to get rid of the ghosts. I wonder if the herbal mixture just means they no longer see them. Or they can contact the families of the people who live there so they can fetch their spirits. Right, I'll get straight onto Facebook and uh, tell random strangers they need to collect Uncle Dave because he's haunting my apartment. How would you tell relatives of deceased that they need to come and collect their dead relatives from your house in spirit? It's just ridiculous. But apparently they prefer now to go back to the shacks in South Africa than the nice swanky apartments that have been built for them. So if there's any ghosts knocking around there dragging coffee tins, they're now going to be living in these apartments on their own, I believe. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? City hidden beneath Stonehenge had a pub and a human abattoir. Boozed up ancients drank beer before tearing corpses apart. Wow. There's a lot of drinking and a lot of decapitating and dismembering, I believe. Yes. Uh, Researchers have found 17 previously undiscovered religious monuments this week, as well as a huge burial mound and the remains of a timber building which may have been used to cut the flesh from bodies before they were put in the ground. Ew. 17 yeah. is a lot. That's 17 previously unknown religious ancient sites. Right. I'm guessing they're using geophysical technology or some sort of Google Earth applications, are they? I Something. saw photographs of this. You're abs- you know, there's this photographs where you see in the earth where yeah, the, the, the imprints of the uh, stones would have been. I actually saw the images of this. But to find 17 just in one week alone is incredible. Previously unknown religious ancient sites. I thought I had just read something this week about the fact that they thought Stonehenge was actually a full circle. Oh, yeah. It's, it, no, they didn't build it. Like, it's like the Colosseum. I saw right. the Colosseum for the first time and thought, God, it would have been great if they could have finished it. Stonehenge was originally you know, a series of circles. It's only what you see right. now. And in fact, I think I'm right in saying at the turn of the last century, they actually put them back together a little bit and kind of rebuilt them, if my memory serves me right. But do continue. I believe there's some macabre things coming, if it's the story I know. Yep. Uh, The ancients were also shown to have dug large pits, some of which may have been arranged to align with the stars, and drank beer, judging by the presence of ale pots. This investigation was part of a scheme called the Stonehenge, I can't even say it, Stonehenge (laughs) Hidden Landscapes Project. The rituals included exposure of the dead bodies and defleshing on a large forecourt, said Wolfgang Neuber of the Ludwig Boltzmann Institute. Ew. He's a German gentleman, I believe. I wonder why in their religious ancient rituals they needed to strip the flesh off of the bones before they then buried the body. Seems very odd to me. I wonder if it has something to do with the concept of having your flesh eaten you know, by worms and animals and they wanted to protect that in some way, perhaps. But 17, they didn't find any big pits with horses in by any chance, did no. they? No. I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> in actual fact, a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, Barack Obama was actually at Stonehenge, and there were some families going around with their children um, there in Wiltshire, in the middle of England, and uh, Barack Obama suddenly appeared and photobombed their photographs because I believe there was some sort of NATO meeting in Wales, and he, on his bucket list, he'd always wanted to go to Stonehenge, so he went there and had a look round, which is incredible. You don't expect to be wandering around these ancient sites and then see Barack Obama standing there. Seems very odd. But that's an interesting story, and it contains element of horror as well. So I shall give you a resplendent three. Heather, you have another story for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. You're very eager to gain a lot of points, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah? Burial egg. Burial egg. Uh-huh. I wonder, have you seen this and what you think of it? It's called Capsula Mundi, and it's a container in the shape of an egg made with modern material, which is starch plastic, which breaks down, and the dead body is then put in a fetal position inside the whole thing and is planted like a seed in the soil. Then a tree is planted on top of it. The tree is chosen when you're alive and looked after by relatives after the burial. My, my family would be weeing on that tree. The, the, the dog do whatever he wanted. <laughs> so basically you're putting a dead person in the fetal position in an egg. Yes. And then putting a tree on top of them. Yes. And then you'll go and bang drums, dance around naked with a pig's but head on a, a stick and smoke A cemetery will no longer be full of tombstones. It'll become a forest. This is true. A lot of Do you want to see it? I would love to it see it. It helps the listeners. Yes, for the benefit of our listeners, Heather's now showing me a photograph. 
Yes, it looks like a giant potato under a tree. (laughs) We've had this discussion before. If that's a fruit tree, would you eat fruit from a tree knowing that the roots were in some really good compost? Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, you eat the pear, you eat the apple, and uh, that's Uncle Dave again, you know? Just, oh, it just, just keeps on living. That's why Granny Smith apples are called Granny Smith apples. Oh, Did you that's know? disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. And they are, they are slightly bitter to the taste, I will say. Gross. That's a fabulous story. I've got one more story here <clears throat> tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. It says, five things you should know about Ghost Month, the do's and the don'ts. Ghost Month, Ghost Month falls on the seventh lunar month in the traditional Chinese calendar. According to tradition... During the first day of Ghost Month, the gates of hell open, so throngs of evil spirits and ghosts enter the earth looking for victims, or the Mall of America as we call it in Minnesota. (laughs) To avoid getting possessed, there are a few things you need to do, so you need to listen carefully. These are the do's, because we're currently in Ghost Month in the Buddhist calendar, so these are the do's you need to give offerings. On the first day of Ghost Month, honour your ancestors by offering incense, food and paper money. These will be useful to ghosts in the afterlife. Does Monopoly money count? I don't think so. And I'm actually wondering what you'd give a horse. (laughs) Probably some sugar lumps and an apple, probably. A Granny Smith apple. (laughs) Were you suggesting that, you know, if your loved ones were deceased, you'd just profligate them with uh, money from Monopoly boards? Is that what you're saying? Okay. I see where your family are on your list of importance. It says this will be useful to ghosts in the afterlife. I've absolutely no idea why a ghost would require paper money i might add there are altars in homes and sidewalks set up throughout the month so you can burn incense and leave the paper money at these sites number two you have to pray apparently people with good feng shui might even experience an increase in their fortunes this month those who have a strong faith in god will be more protected and help keep their loved ones safe throughout the month spend more time praying for protection and the souls of departed loved ones Number three says postpone major activities. People who plan to get married should postpone the dates until after Ghost Month. Individuals who are supposed to undergo major surgery should try to move the date to stay safe. Those planning long trips or going mountain climbing should stay at home in the meantime to avoid accidents. So no mountain climbing for us here, obviously in the heart of the Midwest Plains. I did mention this earlier, but we do record this show from a small place called mountain lake and mountain lake is called mountain lake because i was told when i arrived here that there was a mountain now bearing in mind this is the midwest plains and it's incredibly flat of course um obviously this was a new meaning for the word mountain i hadn't previously been aware of and it turns out that back in the 1890s there was a rather large mole that was active in the area (laughs) so these are the don'ts number four is uh, don't go out at night avoid evening strolls and stay inside the house at night because according to a belief Ghosts and spirits tend to roam freely on the streets and other places at night. Mugging old grannies and uh, they have switchblades and they get drunk and they're very noisy. People should also avoid going... the grannies? Yes, we need to avoid (laughs) roaming. That's a Monty Python sketch, isn't it? Where there was groups of old grannies on street corners bullying people and taking their money. It says people should also avoid going to deserted areas like thick forests or empty houses. So no large empty places. So we won't be watching the twins this month then. See, see what wow, I did there? Wow. Did you see that? That's wow, satire. Wow. I'm, just, I'm just pleased that I know a small amount of uh, baseball knowledge. Spirits tend to settle in these quiet places, so there'll be a lot of dead people watching the Twins this month. <laughs> Finally, number five, it says, have new houses blessed. People who are moving into a new home or having newly built houses should not have these places blessed first before moving in. It might make ghosts think that they are welcome to settle in. Unless, of course, they do laundry and run the vacuum around occasionally, because that would be very useful. We come to the end of the round. That is Ghosts and Hauntings. Do you know what was most remarkable about the opening round? Did I win? The complete absence of the inappropriate bell. You need to be more inappropriate, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we are. We are moving into the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties heather what have you got for me in the round of green men and hairy beasties is the loch ness monster visiting england it's cryptozoology it is. oh that's greg's stomach oh <laughs> that's the taco bell he had earlier <laughs> the all-you-can-eat buffet that's the loch ness monster is it that's the best you've got for the loch ness monster <laughs> wow A British photographer taking scenic pictures at Lake District National Park 
captured the image of a strange object resembling the legendary Loch Ness Monster. Ellie Williams, 24, of London, said she set her camera up on a tripod to take automatic pictures at the Windermere Lake and thought, and throughout the day um, to attempt to photograph some of the park's wildlife, and she was shocked when she looked over the pictures and spotted the strange shape. Williams stopped short of suggesting the creature could be Nessie, taking a trip of 150 miles from her traditional home in the lock. Yes, and over land as well, I might add. <laughs> She's not sitting there in the back of a car, is she, or on the bus? She hitched a ride. That's right. Can you imagine you're driving along the motorway and you turn around and there's a lot less monster with his head out the window smoking a cigarette? Like a dog. <laughs> Do you know when they smell the air and the window's down? That could be quite damaging. This long neck coming out of the back of a car. See where cigarette. You're going. I know you could come off the road with things like that. It's outrageous. When I reviewed all the images, I thought it might have been a swan or a goose. As I was looking at the image on my smartphone, Williams told the mirror, I'm open to suggestions as to what the creature could be. I'm just glad I put the camera in the right place at the right time. Tourists have actually reported seeing Nessie like creature at the park previously. The rumored beast is actually nicknamed Brown Nessie. Brown and it Nessie. Was, and it was first uh, sighted in 2006. 2006. Brown. I'm going to do Brown Nessie in a minute. That's I, every um, morning. Every morning there's Brown Nessie. Uh, <laughs> pokes his head out of the water and we have to take a photograph of it. <laughs> it is remarkable. There have been a lot of sightings of the Loch Ness Monster recently. You, why are you looking at me oddly? Where are you off to? I, you, um, you take pictures of it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's called Pancam. You can visit the website, madampeepee.com. I, um, I, there's been a lot of sightings and photographs. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Scotland is currently just about to go through a referendum and vote to see if they want to uh, remove themselves from Britain and, and gain independence. And uh, there was a famous photograph recently in the paper that's obviously been doctored on Photoshop, but with the neck of Nessie, it says no in, in terms of the vote, because it's either yes or no, you want to leave Britain or you don't. And the neck of Nessie spells out the word no. So it's in the news at the moment, but I've, uh, I've not heard of Brown Nessie. And it would be very unusual if the Loch Ness Monster travelled 150 miles overland just to go on holiday in Lake Windermere. Seems very strange and very bizarre. I know. Which is why we're here, of course, and you shall get points wherever you go. You're Yay. now on a resplendent five. I'm going to jump into UFOs now. It says UFO swerves over Powys. An unexplainable banana-shaped object, you've not been in the hot tub late at night again, have you, Greg? <laughs> has been spotted in Montgomeryshire sky in Wales by a model plane enthusiast. Mervyn Davis saw the object last Wednesday evening whilst looking out of his bedroom window. I don't know what the hell it was, and maybe no one ever will. You just don't know the unknown, said Mr. Davis. Can I just stop there and say that that's a fabulous sentence. You just don't know the unknown. That's an oxymoron. It's like saying I have unbelievable belief, isn't it? It just seems a very strange... It's like saying Dodge Ram or slightly pregnant. I definitely wouldn't have liked it to land over the road. Then I definitely would have been hiding under the bed, he says. The object, described by Mr. Davis, is bigger than an aeroplane, was spotted by him at 9.45pm, heading towards Earth, doing a U-turn, and heading vertically back into the sky, with two smaller objects flying back off of it in opposite directions towards Welshport. He said it started to come down flying. I saw the object coming towards me. At first I thought it was a police helicopter, and then it did a shape like a banana before flying vertically back into the sky, doing a move similar to the end of a walking stick. What's a move similar to the end of a walking stick? This is beyond me. I'm not an engineer, but I understand the motions. So this object got me intrigued, and it just kept climbing and climbing. Inside there were two lights, a green one on the left and a white one inside. But they weren't flashing, but they were more dull. Mr Davis is the founder of the Welsh Paul District Flying Club, which he has run for the last ten years. And he says that the incident is like nothing else he has ever seen before. I know what an aeroplane can do when it is flying and the U-turn the object did is impossible due to the speeds and the amount of G-forces in the manoeuvre to turn like that between two houses. According to local police figures released last month, there were two other reportings of the UFO spotted in the area. So a giant banana. I wonder if that was a time slip. <sighs> Difficult to take an alien invasion seriously, isn't it, when they all look like fruit salads? Yeah, I'm just saying, you're, you know, you're lying there, 
Looking out of your bedroom window, suddenly an invasion of strawberries, cherries, kiwis, bananas comes flying down. <laughs> and Mr. Kool-Aid. Some, well, someone read, the, an alien somewhere has done some bad research and thought we won't get spotted if we disguise our UFOs like fruit. And then suddenly a giant banana lands and everyone's running around. I'm just saying that seems very odd to me. Kim. Thank you. <laughs> Greg's, Yay, on, Greg's Greg. on minus two. Um, <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me in the round of ghosts? I'm not on ghosts and hauntings. I'm on UFOs and cryptozoology. You should lose points for that. What, for getting the wrong round? Yeah. Okay, I should give myself minus one. <laughs> I'm back on two. Since when has this become a democracy? I thought we were running an, an autonomous dictatorship. This is outrageous. <laughs> they should be one back. Don't worry, listeners. They will be one back. <laughs> Cobra's severed head awakes from the dead to kill a Chinese chef. Wow. You don't often get headlines like that, do you? No. Greg's playing the maracas. Headlice? <laughs> what? You don't get headlines like you don't get headlice <laughs> like that, do you? I've never in my entire life as a school teacher seen headlice that look like a severed cobra's head. I can categorically say that live on air. That would be a problem, wouldn't it? You're scratching your head and suddenly something just, bites you. Something bites you would be a worry. No, I've been a school teacher in some very rough and deprived areas of Britain, and uh, some of the kids coming to school, and you can see their hair moving around. It's terrible. Oh, God. I know, and you're supposed to you know your kids coming over and saying, "Can you help me with my homework?" And I'm kind of keeping them. At you give me, you can nay, get away. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you an A. You're fine. Just keep away from me. <laughs> it's true. The cases of ringworm I've seen in my life. Oh God. I know. It's like a primeval swamp, isn't it? It's just like 1,500 kids all coughing and snotting, and it's just. Sorry, there's a story in there. Do continue. I was reminiscing. I'm itchy now. Here is a nightmare that is also real. The severed head of a cobra snake reportedly jumped out of the kitchen trash in a restaurant and killed the chef who was preparing its body as a meal. Hang on a second. There's some questions to be answered. Who prepares a snake for a meal in a restaurant? It's a Chinese restaurant. Oh, well, there you go then. That'll be why. The chef, Peng Chen had no, removed the head from the Indo-Chinese spitting cobra a full 20 minutes before it bit him. The, the spitting cobra? Yes. Okay. One diner told the Daily Mirror, we could hear screams coming from the kitchen. The diner, Lin Sun, continued, there were calls for a doctor in the restaurant, for, but unfortunately, by the time medical assistance arrived, the man had already died. After we heard that, that we did not continue with our meal. No, the, 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 do you imagine the waiter comes? The snake's off. The I snake's off. I wonder if they got a refund. Yes, there's no snake tonight. We're just going to. I don't have, feel like eating anymore. I can't have the salad. Uh, while this kind of accident is obviously rare, it's not impossible. It's not impossible for a head to jump out <laughs> of a trash can by a chef who's preparing a snake-based meal in a Chinese restaurant. We have those stories every week. That's right. It's not a yeah, In fact, I'm not going to give you points. Is that you could have come up with something <laughs> better, Kim? We have these stories every week. This is outrageous. I've got talking about. I've got a story about a goblin of all things. It says man dies in goblin exorcism ritual. A 72 year old man from Gokwe died under mysterious circumstances a few minutes after a traditional healer from Chipinge allegedly destroyed his goblin. Members of the Malanga family in Gokwe are yet to come to terms with the death of Punish Malanga, who died immediately after the alleged destruction of the goblin. Is the that f- what they call it there? <laughs> Is that right? Yes. He's choked his goblin, apparently. His name's Punish, but I'm sure under other circumstances it would be Punish which is uh, quite disturbing as well in many respects. The family had sought the services of a witch doctor from suspecting that neighbours were responsible for inflicting the illness on their father. Events, however, took a tragic turn for the worse. When the healer claimed that Malanga's illness was of his own making and it was impossible to heal him unless the goblin was removed. The traditional healer told the family, removing the goblin will, however, have dire consequences as the father would die. According to the deceased's wife, Sylvia, true to his word, Punesh started vomiting blood and died 15 minutes after the goblin had been destroyed. So let me recap on this. You're warned that if the goblin attached to your husband is removed, he will die. So you go ahead and do it anyway. Do you think they'd been married long? Just a suggestion. He says uh, the message here is that if you have a small green goblin... Uh, with you just let him be he doesn't eat much and he doesn't take up much room so actually you know just live with it is my advice on this do excuse me i'm due back on planet earth at any minute 
The stories of the strange I don't understand. and the bizarre. Which part of that don't you understand? How do you exercise the goblin? He was in him? I believe he was attached to him, although it doesn't go into details, but it is possible to have a small gob- a goblin. Luke Skywalker had a small green creature following him around. It, he, had, yeah, he, he carried cute, it on his though. back. He was cute. Well, I didn't get to see what it looked like, You just prime off with a crowbar, don't you? I've no idea. I'll have to look on my book of goblin <laughs> removals. Goblin removal for idiots. It's in everyone's bookshelf. It does seem unfortunate. I did actually have a very uh, prominent psychic. I won't mention names, but a very prominent psychic in Minnesota actually came up to me once and told me that I had a small green troll-like creature following me around. That was uh, your ex, wasn't it? Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> That, the bell. that wasn't me, by the <laughs> that way. Was the bell. And uh, we got divorced, so all was good. Um, he, I said, "What did it look like?" And he said, "It's green, and it's got sharp teeth, and a crescent smile, and quite a large nose." And I said, "What's his name?" And he said, "It's very guttural. It isn't words we'd recognise. It's more of a sound, and it's a, a very throaty guttural Make sound." Make it. Make the sound. No, you're okay. I will okay. be later when I'm coughing my way through this. We've all been ill this week. I have yeah. to say that yeah. all of us have been on our deathbeds, coughing and sneezing and uh, struggling with various viruses and infections. So just the fact that we're live on air, ladies and gentlemen, is a miracle. So we apologise for any coughing you can hear in the background. But Greg's lying next to me in bed with a uh, IV infusion in his arm, and uh, Kim currently <laughs> has her head in a bowl of hot water with a uh, tea towel over us. So yes. all is good. <laughs> But ultimately, I said, is he causing me any problems? And this psychic said, no, he just likes your energy. And I said, well, the more the merrier. So I have a team following me around that looks like the bar scene of uh, Moss Eisley is where we are. <laughs> Does anyone else have any stories in the round of cryptozoology and UFOs? We shall move swiftly on. Stay with me for more of the same after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. I would love to hear from you if you would like your business or product advertised live on more questions than answers. Reaching the nation and beyond with informative, well-educated listeners of good taste and a love of the paranormal and all things oddly intriguing. You are listening to the only dedicated paranormal news quiz show anywhere on the planet. How lucky are you? In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I am probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania, for introducing the world to dirty hobo water, and sometimes the annoying inability to say... Abominable Snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you've just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. And I have fresh flashlight batteries. And my mother has now thankfully stopped snoring. It's, my mother. It's your mother. My mother. Well, it's mutter in German, isn't it? Mutter. Mut, mutter. My mutter has now stopped snoring, <laughs> which is better than my father, of course. My father has now stopped snoring from the room next door. So onwards we march. <laughs> Fabulous. We are in the round. Oh, you've got to love the German language. <laughs> oh, cheeky. Juice anyone? 
<laughs> we are now. You say that, but there are noises that come from my parents' room that sound very much like this. Anyway, I know my dad's alive. <sighs> yep, dad's still with us. Don't need to get the will, will out just yet. No need to look at the estate. Fantastic. We're in the round of the strange and the bizarre, and that is strange and bizarre. Heather, what have you got for me? You are on five points currently. Kim is on three, I'm on two, and Greg is on minus two. So what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Jail in my died from eating cellmates drug-soaked underwear. Oh, drug-soaked underwear. Yes. Oh, my. A Kentucky jail inmate is under investigation for murder for after he allegedly shared his contraband drug-soaked underwear with a cellmate who died of a methadone overdose. What are you taking turns having a suck? Is this where we are? Just <laughs> suck on the gusset for five minutes and you'll get high. It's tasty. <laughs> How many times has that been said? Uh Yasmin County Jailers said Michael Jones, 55, soaked the underpants in liquid methadone. I'm trying to give up underwear. I just thought I'd say that. <laughs> I don't know whether to perhaps, you know, just have less underwear throughout the course of a month or whether it would be more beneficial to go cold turkey and just remove the underwear completely. Yeah. And Commando. then you can get patches. Yeah. You can get patches. Underwear patches. Underwear patches. So just wean yourself off of underwear slowly over a period Sure. Of time. <laughs> <laughs> um... He actually soaked the underpants in liquid methadone during a temporary funeral leave from the country, the county detention center, and then wore them when he returned. He allegedly ripped up the dosed undies and shared them with cellmates, including 33-year-old Corey McQuarrie. So literally, you did have a suck. Just everyone has a small suck on the underwear and the whole jail block's rocking. Except for the fact the guy ate them. He ate... Oh, well, you, you know, he's only got himself to blame if he's McQuarrie <laughs> alerted the jail staff that he felt ill on that evening. I'm trying, to give, up, yeah, I'm evening. trying to give underwear up. Yeah. I'm sorry, not, not for me, I'm giving it up. Not, but he didn't tell them what he had actually eaten. Do you think you start off with like a thong and a G-string and you work your way up to briefs and before you know where you are, you're on the really hard You need one of stuff. those Fruit Loop underpants. For a banana hammock. Yeah. Fruit Loop underwear. Was that yeah, scratch they make sniff? Fruit Loop underwear. What, what it tastes of fruit. Uh, not Fruit Loop. Fruit... Fruit of the Loom? Fruit no. of the Loom. No. No, um, what is that fruit stuff? Vegetables. Fruit roll-up underwear. That's what it is. You can get fruit roll-up underwear. Maybe. And it tastes of what? Fruit? Strawberries. Strawberries. Does it taste good, Heather? I didn't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm not quite sure where you can find it. I'm not quite Cato. sure where you're going, to be honest. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to discuss live on air for our listeners, or are you happy sticking with that? Uh, he died the following morning. I'm addicted to bras, <laughs> me. I just can't get enough bra. I know you can get smarty bras. <laughs> Is that right? I, never mind. I'm trying to give them up. <laughs> Think of my waistline. I'm on my third bra this morning. What's wrong with you? I can't start the morning without a bra and a cup of tea. <laughs> Um, he died the following morning at the in medical isolation area of the jail. Do you think there's all these office workers standing outside buildings in the city, you know, sharing underwear, swapping uh, bras, just standing outside in the rain, huddled around, you know, in taking bras that are laced in LSD or something? Ew. Uh, contraband is a constant problem at any facility across the state. You can do everything that you can do. You know, strip searches and not allow them to bring anything such as books or any other paraphernalia into yeah, the facility. God forbid they should be learning. <laughs> um, uh, Jones has now been charged with McQuarrie's murder. Murder? Yeah, because he brought in the Do you underwear think he, he, needs to, he needs to get himself a brief then, I would suggest? Oh. <laughs> Quality. Yeah. Terrible. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? Heather, she'll have points for being interesting and mildly funny. You're now on seven. <laughs> Workman nearly falls to his death after child cuts rope because drilling disturbed his cartoon TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to nip to the shed and get some wire cutters. I'll be back in a minute. What is the world coming to? A workman nearly plummeted to his death after a child cut the ropes on his harness because the noisy work was interrupting his TV show. <laughs> fair I enough. I can understand that. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Liao Mai was using a drill on the side of the apartment building earlier this week in Gitsau, China, 80 feet off the ground when 10-year-old 
Tang Chu took a knife to his ropes, almost causing his death. <laughs> so you can see him now, can't you? He's like Stewie from the family guy. He's on the roof with a knife and you see him slowly working through the cables. This is shocking. Uh, Mr. Liu said, I was using an electric drill to fit security lights to the outside of the building when I felt my safety rope shaking. <laughs> he looks up and there's a kid holding a knife. He says, I looked up to see what was wrong. Then I saw the boy cutting the rope with a knife. I shouted at him to stop, but he didn't listen, and soon after, the rope was broken. <laughs> I was petrified. He was left hanging onto a single rope for dear life while colleagues spent 40 minutes struggling to pull him to safety. I bet he didn't do it again, though. <laughs> a spokesman from the local fire service said the boy acted on impulse when the drilling made it difficult for him to hear his cartoons. His father, Tang Peng, said the boy had apologized and the family had brought Mr. Liu a new rope. Excellent. Oh, Have some new rope. Nice. I bet it was coming out like rope as well at one point. He said, we so, also gave him a good talking to and explained what he did was very dangerous. A good talking oh, to, yeah. My, yeah. Many a time my dad would give me a good talking to, yeah. He has promised he will not do something similar again. Mr. Tang also revealed he is considering taking his son to anger management therapy due to the incident. <laughs> or he could stop him watching cartoons, spend some time with him and make sure the knives are out of his reach. Maybe. <laughs> Wow. I've got a strange story here. It says Tucker Blanford fakes death to avoid a wedding. This month would have been Alex Lancashire's wedding day if her fiancé hadn't faked his own death. Lancaster, 23, of the United Kingdom, reportedly met Tucker Blanford, also 23, in August 2012 when she was attending college in Connecticut. The two fell quickly in love. He was such a gentleman he showered me with jewellery. We would go out for a posh dinner on the 10th of every month to celebrate the day we got together, Lancaster said. I'd never been in love like that before. I met his family and they treated me like a daughter. His mum and I became so close. Lancaster feared their good thing would come to an end when she returned home. So when Blanford proposed marriage, she was eager to say yes. The two talked every day and started planning a wedding in Connecticut. Lancaster said she had spent money on a dress, invitations for flights for Blanford so he could see her in the UK. Then things changed a few months ago when she got a call from a man who said he was Blanford's father. He told me Tucker had been deeply depressed and wanted to die, so he'd thrown himself in front of a car. She got off the phone emotionally shattered, but things took a weird turn when she called the family back a short time later. Blanford's mum answered the phone, but had no clue that her son had died. In fact, he was alive and well. I'm guessing she's never been one for current affairs. She said Tucker was absolutely fine. Would that make her Tucker's mother? Out of interest. Lancaster quickly discovered that the venue they had supposedly reserved for their wedding had no record of their booking. Although Blanford has since texted to say he was sorry, he has paid back the half of the $1,200 he owes for the wedding-related expenses, and Lancaster refuses any contact. I don't think I'll ever forgive him, she said. To pretend to be dead to get out of marrying me is just gutless. If he loved me, how could he do such a thing? Blanford admits Lancaster's allegations are true. Well, dead men can't say I do. Ever faked anything, Kim? Nope. Okay. <laughs> wow. Faking your own death to get out of getting married. We move on to the round that we call Not For Your Mother. This is the round where if your mother is easily offended, she needs to be removed. If there are any small minors, any children, any one of a nervous disposition, they need to be removed because these are the stories of the week that we can't tell at any other time. They're rude, they're naughty, they're laden with innuendo, which is why you're listening to the show, of course. Heather, what have you got for me tonight? I love this music, it's a bit Starsky and Hush, isn't it? It makes you well, want to light some candles and lay out on the rug. Yeah. Okay. I've got bit of, something special. I'm sure you have, you need the points. Men with big bellies make better lovers. There you go, Greg. Fabulous. <laughs> 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 and he's been working on that for years. <laughs> Quality. <laughs> Let's hear it for big bellies. <laughs> nice big round plump bellies. Hey ladies. 
take a break from chasing that six-packed Adonis and instead divert your gaze to the oft-overlooked Homer Simpson doppelganger. You may you're thank us at, oh, for what? it. Who's do- are you looking at a doppelganger? Of Homer Simpson. I've heard it called a few things in my time. <laughs> a study out of Turkey concluded that an overweight man with obvious belly uh, ha- can last longer in bed than their thinner counterparts. But they've got more energy, male fat reserves. <laughs> These heroic researchers, dedicated to finding answers to life's big problems, studied the BMI and sexual performance of 100 men seeking help for sexual dysfunctions, contrasted against 100 men who reported no problems. The result? Men with higher BMI and, yes, unsightly guts, lasted an average of 7.3 minutes where the slimmer... 7.3 minutes? Yes, where the slimmer... That's twice with a cigarette break. (laughs) Where the slimmer of the group could barely hold on for two minutes. Ouch, right? Is is the fat stopping it coming out? Is that really... (laughs) This has got to work its way out through flight fat cells. A five minutes difference is pretty significant, don't you think? I don't know. You tell me. Is it... (laughs) Greg, is five minutes going to make all the difference? Yep. Fabulous. So if you need... In fact, they found that skinnier men suffer more prominently with premature ejaculation. How's that with you, Nathan? (laughs) (laughs) I am... So if you want to to find a top lover, you need to find a fat Turk is where we are. No, just a fat man. Just a fat man in general. But this was a survey done in Turkey, I believe. Yes. At first blush, this might seem counterintuitive. The penis is often referred to as the dipstick of man's health. So wouldn't those at a higher... I'm just taking your temperature, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So wouldn't those at a healthier weight be able to last longer? Not exactly. Scientists say it's more complicated than that. It felt like a closet falling on me with a key still in the lock. Uh, Adrian, (laughs) Edward. Uh, More belly fat, they say, means the man in question is housing more of the female sex hormone estradiol, which helps to inhibit orgasm. The researchers even went as far as to say that men with less masculine bodies have the upper hand in holding out <laughs> upper hand <laughs> than a guy who is buff, like say Ryan Reynolds' body double. There we go. So ultimately if you've got some belly fat, you're better in the bedroom. That's right. So 99% of American men are cheering as we speak and I know, around the right? Room. Giving high yeah. fives to everyone. See, it was all See? in the... Yeah, I will have that extra Mars bar because I'm helping you, sweetheart. That's right. Fantastic. <laughs> Shock and awe. You should have points. You're now in a resplendent nine. Kim, what have you got for me? I'm worried to ask now. This is a concern. It's not fat men, is it? And small willies. No. Okay, I'm close though, aren't I? Booby squeezing simulator. I told you. Go on. <laughs> it's a new Japanese game. And I'll say it again what the name of it is. Booby Squeezing Simulator. Christmas is coming up. I just thought I'd mention... It uses... And I've never heard of this before. Oculus Rift technology to replicate the experience of groping an anime girl's breasts. Or you could just date a woman and get out of the house. (laughs) This is in Tokyo. Uh, What a surprise. Uh, The Japanese developer using the latest gaming technology has unveiled the Booby Squeezing Simulator, which comes complete with virtual... Virtual breasts. Can you pick a size? Just a question. Doesn't say. Or a color? I don't know. (laughs) Just saying. Texture even. Hairy? Hairy. Yes, I always like my breasts hairy. (laughs) Well, when you're not playing the game, I was wondering if you could hang your suit coat on it. Oh, this is what happens to exercise, exercise bikes, isn't it? This is what happens. You you get an exercise bike and you hang. You're looking at me as if I'm mad. You can't <laughs> tell me that there's not a single person listening to this show that hasn't got an exercise bike that hasn't got clothes hanging on it, shirts and trousers. I didn't think that's where you were going, but well, okay, that, that wasn't planning on going anywhere else. <laughs> okay, the developer posted a video under the name Ryudo on Japanese video sharing the website Nico Nico Duga detailing how he used an Oculus Rift 3D virtual reality gaming headset. I'm glad we're using all this modern technology to cure cancer and the like. A mouse pad with breast-like wrist pads equipped with a leap motion pressure sensor and other equipment to design the game. Hold on. Uh, Wrist what? You've got a wrist pad. For what? Breast-like wrist pads. To put your arm between them, I'm guessing. 
What, mush them together? I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's no photographs. We need to get on YouTube <laughs> and have a look. It's a booby trap. This is oh, shocking. Oh, no, 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 no. Wow. Where does one get one? Listen, how much are they? Doesn't say how much they are. Well, you wouldn't see me for a Gonna year. Gonna have to go online to look for it. I'd come blinking out into the sun after a year, looking emaciated and white. With you'd really to, strong hands. You'd have to feed out of arms like Popeye. You'd have to feed me <laughs> under the door frame with pizza and pancakes and things that are flat. Well, I want to know if you have any guesses on how you play the game. You know, there always is a, a purpose to a you game, You have to roll right? a dice. You, there's normally an outcome, isn't there? I'm yeah. wondering what the outcome would be. Who wins? Who wins? Whoever, <laughs> whoever comes first, I'm guessing. Oh, Adrian. Greg asked, whoever wins is the person who comes first. It's not rocket science. It says the game involves players donning the Oculus Rift headset and squeezing the artificial breasts, causing the animated woman seen by the player to react negatively to the unauthorized touching. So it's a game encouraging you to grope and sexually assault women then? Yes. yes. Fabulous. And then she reacts negatively to it. What a surprise. Um, he's going to unveil his new creation on Sunday at the Oculus Rift Festival in Japan. Well, we should get across there and buy ourselves one. So if anyone needs a game out there that replicates sexual harassment, then you need to go to Tokyo this weekend. We're going to do a short trip now across the sea to China. It says Chinese medical student died of heart attack as he looked at Sexy Magazine when he made fourth donation to a sperm bank in a week. It's those small, catchy headlines that I really enjoy reading. A Chinese medical student died of a heart attack whilst looking at sexy magazines in a sperm bank on his fourth visit in just over a week. Zhang Gang, 23, was found dead in a private booth of a fertility clinic at Wuhan University after nurses noticed he was spending longer than usual producing his sample. How long is too long out of interest? Depends on how, whether he had that tub belly or not. Well, there yeah. you go. Well, it says two hours after he first entered the cubicle, so apparently two hours is apparently too long. After two hours, you'd just have a stump left and a handful of sand, wouldn't you? Would be my <laughs> suggestion. Sounds like a tug of war taking place. He says they entered the cubicle, they broke in. Medics found him lying unconscious on the floor. Despite frantic efforts to resuscitate him where he lay, doctors pronounced him dead at the scene. The tragic death only came to light after the young man's family took the sperm bank in Wuhan City, eastern China, to court, saying that they were responsible for his death. But the court has now ruled that Zheng, who had started studying at the university to become a doctor in 2010, was entirely capable of making his own decisions about his life, including whether he wanted to take part in the sperm bank program. I would say that if he's made four visits in 10 days, then he did actually have a handle on the situation. The court heard that the young trainee doctor signed up for the program in January, and in 10 days he made four visits to donate sperm for the university's sperm bank program. His family had demanded a million dollars in compensation, saying that they had pressured him into agreeing to take part and had not handled the situation properly when he was found unconscious. Zeng had donated his sperm on four previous occasions before his death and had even solicited others to donate their semen in the interests of society, according to reports, because China is severely underpopulated, of course. So the moral of this story is he came and went. Aww. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery is Greg. He is on minus two. I am on two. Kim is on three, but racing out into a resplendent lead and winning the $33,000 IR camera on a massive nine points is Heather. Really? I know. You've won a show. Aww. It was the story of fat Turkish men that just pushed you <laughs> over the edge. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, Nathan and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. 
It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.